Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host Joe Rimmer and it's Christmas week but it wasn't a cracker at Anfield yesterday. Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. Joining me today to discuss it is Paul Ghost. How are you Paul? Oh good, yeah, like I say Christmas week so I think um, you can start indulging a little bit, can't you? Beth brought the celebrations in and uh, that was about the only celebrating we've done lately so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. well thank you Beth. Um, yeah, wasn't the best one yesterday was it? It wasn't but... Considering you both made puns, you know, spiced up the spice yeah, of the day. Yeah, I didn't play fun either. I just thought Maybe one day yeah. I'll reach your level. Yeah, and this man with the stain down his t shirt. Oh, how are we, Tom? I'm okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not most enthusiastic after yesterday? Um, no, I mean, I thought it was going to be a comprehensive win, so uh, yeah, that was back, backfired a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It felt, felt like. I wouldn't say there was there was arrogance before the game, of course. Maybe in some quarters, but there's certainly confidence, and, and and rightly so, really, with what Liverpool did to United last season yeah. and then United's form this season, and, and Liverpool being top of the league going into the game, or, or certainly before the weekend. Um, and yeah, apart from the first five minutes, it just didn't seem to, to, to go for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen loads of people saying I'm a bit uneasy with how confident you know on on social media supporters are saying. I'm a bit uneasy with how confident everyone is today, but I didn't actually see anyone be overly confident. It was more people trying to dampen the expectations. And I actually think a bit of that as well came from the United end, saying we're going to get beat today. Yeah, you know, like yeah maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, certainly within the Liverpool camp, last week there was loads of kind of playing it all down and, and mm-hmm. no, no more so than Klopp. You know, he, he spoke on Wednesday, was it, to Sky Sports and, and said... It was a freak result. It's not going to happen again. And then we had the chance to speak to him after the game on Thursday in in Brussels. And he said exactly the same thing. Um, They were very much at pains to stress that it's never going to be a 7-0 again. And I think everyone thought that it wasn't going to be that. But I think they were confident enough in what United have served up this season. Liverpool going into the the game as Premier League leaders and the fact that they haven't dropped the points all season at Anfield. And um, Sometimes that's the way it goes, I guess. Um, I thought the bill were really poor, but I think it was very much in keeping with what they've done over the last sort of, I probably since the international break, really. It was a good point in Manchester City, but they struggled mm-hmm. against Fulham just about, you know, about a late win. Struggled with Crystal Palace and Sheffield United was a little bit easier, but even that was not exactly free flowing, confident performance. So, um, yeah, I think, I think where the frustration comes from is the fact that Liverpool suddenly. Whether they like or not, find themselves in in a in a prop title race, um, and expectations have been raised as a result. I think if you're looking to finish in the top four, a nil nil against United probably isn't the worst result, and and you, you dust yourself off and you move on. But when you're all of a sudden looking at it to stay at the top of the table, it looks like a really poor result, particularly with the form that United have been showing lately. Yeah, Beth, I want to have a proper chat about the title race, but we'll leave that for a little bit. Um, I mean, the stats. Liverpool had 30, 30 odd shots. I think uh, um, thirty-four, yeah, thirty-four shots. An XG of like 2.68. They dominated United in every area, but it was a final third that it just kept falling down. A lot of the shots, it felt like, weren't really clear-cut chances into the side net and shots over over the bar or the the, the Trent chance. But did you ever really feel like Liverpool were going to turn the screw and, and put the ball in the back of the net? No, it, it did feel yesterday like Liverpool could have played all day and, and not put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. And, and yeah, they dominated in, in a whole load of of metrics. But when you actually sort of, you know, in the ground, I, I don't feel like there were too many clear-cut chances. And I think that's probably the biggest frustration is, is they had 
an honouring goal who has had his own sort of individual problems this season for, for United. I thought it was particularly great when he kicked the ball out for the 10th time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the fact we, I don't think Liverpool worked him really once with, you know, he made a decent save from Van Dijk, didn't he? And, you know, a couple, but every, every shot seems to be straight at him really. And I think that's the frustration. I think, you know, the, I don't know who United have next, but I wouldn't be surprised if next week they go and get beat two, three nil, and, mm. and that's that is the frustration. Um, and yeah, it, it, it the game played out pretty much how I thought it would. You know, I, I did feel a little bit nervous going into it. United had nothing to lose, did they? You know, it couldn't have got worse for them than, than last season, and there was no expectation on them whatsoever. They were always going to make it difficult for Liverpool, try and frustrate them, and you know, of course, he was. Of course, he's right. Liverpool haven't played very well, have they, for for a month or so? I can't remember the last time that they played sort of particularly well. Um, and I think the thing is, Liverpool this season have got that that air about them now, where you always feel like they're going to find a goal. You know, I think the, the team feel that, mm-hmm. the crowd feel that, maybe even the opposition feels that a little bit. Um, but sooner or later, looks going to run out on that front. And I think even sort of to to eighty minutes or so, you, you sort of think. Liverpool will have one big chance, they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll find something and then got to about 80-85 minutes yesterday and it was almost a sense in the ground of actually this isn't going to happen today and um, yeah, frustrating. I think sort of now I've had the night to reflect on it, you've got to say well, I think it, it could have offered many Liverpool fans the, the chance to be one point behind Arsenal ahead of playing them at Anfield next week at this stage mm-hmm. of the season. I think you'd have bitten people's hands off for that, wouldn't you? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, got to dust themselves off and go again and I think it puts a little bit more pressure now on, on the Arsenal game next week. Tom, I, I mean, can I just say, I don't think Liverpool were quite as bad as, as perhaps was, was reflected after the game. I mean, obviously people were frustrated with the result, but I don't think performance-wise they were, they were quite that bad. I, I thought going into the game it felt a little bit like like a Merseyside derby. You know, you, you go in, you know that almost always Liverpool are, in, are better than ever in terms of their personnel and, and, and where they are in the, in the league. But quite often, you know that those games can turn to a slog. They can mm-hmm. be quite nervy. Um, what did you make of it? How, how do you feel, feel like Liverpool played? Did it go the way you thought? Obviously, you, you expected a comprehensive yeah, win. So, so maybe no, I, I genuinely thought Liverpool were going to... I was in the camp of Liverpool are going to blow them away and... I just couldn't see United like putting anything together, especially when I saw the team, United team yeah. and the bench they had. It was full of academy players on the bench and the midfield uh, was not great. And by the way, I think Liverpool definitely dodged a bullet with uh, Amrabat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. He sums up, uh, sorry to just dive in on Amrabat, he sums up United for me in, in the terms of their problems. I mean, he, he was a player who a year ago had a good World Cup. His agent was desperately trying to get him a move off the back of it. No one would touch him, and United got him. So it kind of sums up. He's only on loan as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they could afford yeah. to get him in. Just he just wouldn't touch him, would you? But sorry, go on. But no, they, they didn't play well. They didn't. Mm. I don't think they were awful, but they weren't great. I mean, whenever it got to the final third, as you were touching on, then it was just there's no idea what to do. It was kind of like they when they were getting to the box, didn't know who to pass to. Every time they tried to pass the ball, it was either going out play or mm. Man United would intercept it. Yeah. And they were they were not looking to score a goal. They would just get you know hit Liverpool on the break a couple of times, had a couple of chances from that, but they would just camp back and Liverpool yeah. didn't really know like how to get through it. Or it's happened before as well. We've seen it before. 
there was that nil nil, wasn't there? That was really the big, the big, the big yeah. build up to that, and that was a terrible game as well. Like similar kind of thing of United just trying to counteract Liverpool by defending the whole game, and I think Liverpool struggle with that sometimes when they play a team that. Was that, that. was that the year? That was the Liverpool. No, that, no, that was 2016-17. <clears throat> yeah, they built those like Red Monday. Red Monday, yeah. yeah, yeah and a huge build-out, and then yeah. it was just a terrible game. But um, I think Liverpool it will suit them more playing Arsenal because they, they're going to play a proper game. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sit back and do that, so probably got a better chance of getting three points against them because you know what you're going to get from Arsenal. United, you don't always know if they're going to go for it, try and play, or, or sit back and do that. And obviously... In recent years, it's been more of that because they've not got the players to. Well, they do have the players, but they don't think they can win those games. <laughs> it's a strange one with, with the United squad now, and certainly as a team yesterday. Like United, you know, us growing up, they always had the, the top players, the best players. And you know, you look at the, the team sheet yesterday. I don't know, it's not played on paper and whatever else, but there was no stars in there at all. Was there? there was no one even thinking that you know United have got a couple of match wins here. The only thing I would say is. They they were better for I mean Fernandez is probably their match winner this start, mm. but it's, I think it, it, I don't think I ever watch United with them in the team and think they're a better team for having it. I, yeah. I, I know United fans will would would find that madness because they they love him, don't they? But I'm pretty sure had he been on the pitch yesterday, they wouldn't have been able to do the same job as they did. Yeah, well, he would have taken Cosby Maynard's place, wouldn't he? Yeah. And, and Maynard was probably United's best player. So yeah. He looks like a real prospect. But it's just jarring to see the United team, really, just <clears throat> with so few stars, really. Um, Rashford, obviously, on the bench. Jaden Sancho's been exiled, hasn't he? And mm-hmm. Hoyland, at the moment, is getting nowhere near as much stick as Nunes was getting for, for contributing even less, yeah, yeah. you know, last season. Um, and he cost more as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, just... Just a, a proper let off, really, from Liverpool's perspective, and um, it, it's. Uh, I guess it, if there's one game you'd, you'd rather win, it's the Arsenal one. Yeah, and yeah. The, the two. Yeah. But United were there for the taking yesterday, and then Liverpool didn't do what they needed to do. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on that Arsenal game, doesn't it, Beth? Now, I mean, like, like course you said, it's the, it's the better game to win, but. You know, you, you were sort of thinking, in my head, beat United, and then if you hold Arsenal to a draw, you keep your place at the top of the league going into Christmas. And that, that sometimes it doesn't always mean something, but but psychologically it can. Yeah, I think if you'd have said you'd, you take four points from them two games, obviously you want to win them both, but four points is probably a decent return mm-hmm. from from those two games. But as you say, then that that puts pressure on Liverpool to go out next Saturday and, and win it. Um, mm-hmm. Whether psychologically that will will play a part, who knows? I think. You know, we've all said on the pod before that I think Anfield for Arsenal is a real sort of litmus test for, for where they're at. They've not really had a, a big result that I can think of away from home against one of those mm. big sides. But saying that, actually, this season, Liverpool haven't managed to beat any one of the of the top six, I don't think, have they? Like the, the sort of conventional top yeah. six. I know they beat yeah. Villa, obviously, at home. but um, And I think when you, you go back to, I think, the 18-19 season, that cost Liverpool quite a mm. lot. I don't think they beat too many of the... Of the top six, there's quite a few draws in there, so that they need a couple of big results, especially at Anfield, and I think that has to start yeah. with, with next Saturday. Yeah, definitely. And Tom, um, there's a couple of little. We'll get into some player performances now. Um, a couple of little talking points after the game. Virgil Van Dijk came out and sort of <laughs> frustrated. Virgil Van Dijk said, "I'm not team want to win." Roy Keane, um, 
who was always very, very <laughs> calm and collected after every game he played for Manchester United. Um, didn't think, think too kindly to that. What, what did you make of that? And of course, I'll ask you, Ghost, in a second, because you, you got the chance to speak to, to Van Dijk in the next zone afterwards. But what did you initially I, make make of that? I quite like the interview because I think, you know, a lot of the time you just see the players giving mm. quite standard responses in yeah. terms yeah. of, yeah. yeah, it was a tough game, it will go again next week. But he yeah. just said it how it was and... I think he was right, to be honest. I mean, nothing he said was wrong. United can't come out and say, well, we we did go for the win, we were trying to play, because they didn't. And that's what he was saying. And so for Roy Keane to to react like that, I thought it was a bit strange. And I, I don't really think he could have any complaints about what Van Dyke said. Yeah, I mean, Keane and his little... He's got to remember he's playing for what a team that's won one title. Yeah. I didn't know Van Dijk had a thirty-year long career. Still well, yeah. What did Van Dijk have to say in the mix zone afterwards? Yeah, it was funny. I, I kind of asked him, "Were you surprised by United's um, approach?" And, and he, he said, "No." He said, "They're not." I mean, in great form this season, as you probably remember last season, seven nil. So then um, he kind of set up how he expected. But you know, so I said to him, "You know, I think you've rattled Roy Keane's cage," and he. He was, he was, Did he know about it? Um, no, he, he, he then he, he sort of asked what, what yeah, he said, yeah. and someone else said he's accused of being a bit arrogant from the from the comments. And he was um, he, he was he was in good humour about it all. He said, "Oh no, well, I like Roy Keane, you know, I, I, I like what he says," and that wasn't arrogance at all. But I think um, most people will agree with me that only one team wanted to win, and, and then he sort of asked us, "You know, what what, what do you guys think?" Mm. And and uh, he, what did you say? Sure. I said, oh, you'll have to read it. I have to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the paper. Yeah. Listen to the pod. Fair job. I should have plugged the pod, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, but then he, he did double down it and said, you know, basically, he stands by what he said. Only one team approached that game looking to win. And I can't really, you can't really argue with that, can you? You know, United... It's just the celebrations at the end, you know, as fans in the away end, we'll have been nice as we do after the goal was saw at Anfield. Um, probably says a lot about where they're at at the moment. Um, and look, Liverpool have been there. So I think, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Not, that's not, you know, I think we've got to be fair. Liverpool have been there at times. Mm. And, you know, let's face it, Liverpool went to City and got a draw last month and that that felt pretty good, didn't it? So so I don't really blame them. I just think it does does underline how far they're they're, they're falling. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I've watched United loads this season just because they, they tend to be on the telly a lot, and don't think I've ever seen them play well this season. And I'm, I'm not just saying that for to try and put the boots in or anything like that. They generally win games with moments of brilliance from the, from the star men, like we were saying, the star men who weren't really in the team yesterday. You know, <clears throat> Bruno Fernandez, wonderful volley against Burnley, Diogo Dallo with a, a worldie against Sheffield United, Garnacho. The goal of the season against Evan yeah, three minutes yeah. in. They tend to be a team who survive off moments like that rather than sustained performances across 90 minutes. And that is why, from Liverpool's perspective, it should be seen as a massive kind of two points lost. How frustrated should Liverpool be with this, Beth? Because, I mean, he, I've just said to one of the guys before, I think if Liverpool played that game, the exact same game, every day for the next week, they would probably win almost every one of them. And, and is, it, is it one that Obviously, there haven't been some some good performances recently, and although they've been winning games, is it one that they there should be a slight worry, or or is it just one that you put down to a bit of, bit unlucky and, and and we move on? Yeah, I think only time will tell how significant those two points dropped will will be. Mm-hmm. I think next week is huge. Um, I think the narrative could change very quickly. Liverpool 
beat Arsenal and certainly they put in a convincing performance against Arsenal and go on and get the three, three points. They obviously go into Christmas top of the league and all of a sudden the, the positivity is back and, and you know the momentum is with Liverpool going into it. It's a busy one of Christmas fixtures. So I think that is that is huge. I think if Liverpool, um, certainly if they got beat by Arsenal and, and even if they if they failed to you know if they failed to win that game, I think the narrative will then very much become you know is this a team that that can go on and win the league and you know Ian Doyle will be proved right in his, in his assertion that Arsenal there he is the special appearance but yeah I, I I think it is hugely frustrating it is you know when you you saw the team sheet yesterday some of the players in that team Johnny Evans you know Amrabat Luke Shaw hasn't been playing particularly well and I think that's the frustrating thing. I think as much as Liverpool dominated in so many ways, I, they just they just weren't convincing, were they? And you're just willing, you know, Diaz or Salah or someone to just take on the man and and just you know have a go at them, and they just didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just talk title now. I want to talk about some playing performances, but 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 very quickly. Um, I think Beth's saying there. I mean, I, I thought it was quite interesting last week. They go to Palace, didn't play well. But pull out the win, and you see quite a few people saying it's a sign of the champions. It shows that Liverpool can dig in and win games. And then a week goes by, they draw nil nil, and people go, "Oh, they should have won that game." This shows why they're not quite ready. I mean, Tom, you've been quite you've been quite confident this year that Man City aren't going to win the title. Mm-hmm. So that would suggest to me that there's a huge opening for for Arsenal, for Liverpool, Aston Villa. There's a, there's an opening for a team there. Do you think Liverpool can win the title, or or how do you feel about them? Yeah, I think they can. I mean, yeah. the fact that they're where they are now, sort of near the halfway point, is a good sign that they can go all the way. I know we've seen teams drop off that have been in this position before, but I just think it's really there for anyone. Like you were saying, there's there's three or four teams that could realistically win it this season because um, City are not at the best. I mean, we've seen it now like six, seven games in a row. So I don't think it's just a, I don't know, a one bad week or an off week. That it, it's kind of happening every game for them at the minute, and whether it changes when De Bruyne's back from injury, and, and maybe they'll sign a player or two in January potentially. Calvin Phillips leaves, and that might strengthen them as well. So we don't know how they're going to, you know, react in the second half of the season. They usually put it together, but I just can't see it this year. And Arsenal, I think the biggest threat for Liverpool. I think that was well been the case from the start of the season, and. Yeah, Spurs potentially. I mean, I, oh, I don't think Spurs not will, but <laughs> it's a serious podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, to answer your question, Liverpool can win the league. I just think the performances aren't handling great at the moment, so that's obviously I can understand why people are concerned about that. They probably do need to make at least one signing in January, but whether they do that yeah. or not could uh, determine whether they end up winning the league. I think Endo yesterday. He had an okay game, but you kind of see him struggling a little bit. There's a class yeah. level there, yeah. isn't it? I think you can tell. So that's still a position that's not been sorted out. And then the defence as well, probably a centre-back would cover. Yeah. But whether or not they, they choose to do that, we'll see. Yeah, I have to agree with that, course. Yeah, yeah. If, to, to me, I think... I think there's some teams that go into the team, league and you know that they've got, you know, City have won the league three times, three times the box. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, or, you know, the last five, you know, they're capable of it. 
Arsenal perhaps you knew this season that they could have a go because we'd seen with Liverpool I, I kind of think you can create your chance to win the league I don't necessarily think each week you can go they're t- contenders they're not the cont- mm. you know at the end of the day you play yourself into a position they're in a position now there's a chance but yeah I think January could be yeah. it could be massive yeah, yeah. yeah I mean look if, if if it's not Man City who, who don't win the league and, and it's not Liverpool they're going to kick themselves massively mm-hmm. because they've got 92 points and 97 points without winning the league so you know, if Arsenal win it with 86 or something, they're going to be... It's just going to be one of the great regrets of Liverpool's time on the year in Klopp. Because City come back, don't they? We know that yeah, I mean, they could easily go win 12 on the bounce, couldn't they? But then again, they could kind of continue this patchy form that's mm-hmm. seen them take seven points from the last 18 or something, uh, I think. Um, so it, it's there for them now in January to strengthen um, and go and say, look, we can win this title. Let's go and have a real go at it. Who's the target for the summer? Can we get him six months earlier? Mm-hmm. Who were the targets for the summer? One or two. Um, Klopp kind of dismissed this, the prospect of buying the centre-back, the new when he got asked after Matip's injury last week. Um, <clears throat> and he always bristles and, and shuffles really easily in his seat when you talk about transfers. And he, he normally has a little bit of a go at you and whatever. But <laughs> it's a fair question to ask. You know, it, it, it's open now for the bull. Um, so why not just push the boat out a little bit? and see if you can actually go and win the league. Um, forget about planning for two, three years down the line. If, if you kind of expedite that, it, it, there's a real chance for them in the second half of the summer uh, season. Uh, and I just feel like sitting on their hands and trying to play the usual kind of parsimony FSG mm. game, I think it could bite them on the backside and, and they'll be fuming if they don't win the league and it's not Man City who wins it too. It frustrates me a bit when Klopp does that, Beth, because I, I feel like... Yeah, you know, I love. I think there's some managers like Pochettino asking for every every transfer window. We need to strengthen. I think, hang on, at some point you have to coach as well. Yeah. And with Klopp, sometimes I think, yeah, he's a great coach, but you can buy players. That that is that is part of football. And every time Liverpool bought people in January, whether that be Van Dijk, Diaz, recently Coutinho years ago, it's Suarez. pushed them on Suarez. It's pushed them on to new levels. Storage, and and I and I feel like that this is a chance. And, and, and why not try and do it? Yeah, absolutely. I think transfers are a bit of a dirty word, aren't they, for Klopp sometimes? Yeah, and yeah. and it is frustrating. And, you know, the, the, there is sort of a tendency sometimes in football to, to want what you... You know, you always want the next best thing, don't you? And uh, But I, I don't think Liverpool fans are, um, are being sort of too demanding, asking for one or two players mm. in, in January. And I think it is because everyone does realise this is a real opportunity now. And... I think actually yesterday, you know, we spoke a lot about United's injuries going into the game, and, and to be fair to them, you know, they have got a lot of players out. But when you when you saw the, the team sheet and the bench that Liverpool had, you thought actually they've got quite a few players out themselves. Yeah, yeah. Six, yeah. six first team players. Yeah. Out. Klopp said it after the game. No one's talking about the yeah. injury list, and it, it does frustrate me because Newcastle obviously horrific injury list. Chelsea have had some bad ones. Doesn't but, it, but, Newcastle injury list though? I, <laughs> It's my targets and any advantage. Sure, I'm not with Not being too disrespectful to those players. It's you know, okay, Callum, Callum Wilson's out, isn't he? Yeah. Harvey Barnes, they're, they're big misses, but it's being overplayed that for me that that Newcastle injury list. They got think, two more injuries at the weekend. But I think what it's done is it's taken. I'm sorry, Beth, you were in the middle of points. So we'll go back to it, but it's taken away from Liverpool's first choice left back, one of the absolute key players that they've had for the past five or six I'm years. I've had them a first team yeah. if they're all fit. Thiago probably would have played a lot of games this season had he been fit, not fit. Uh, Matip out for the season. Mm-hmm. Jota is a, yeah. is a massive part of what they do, not fit. 
the goalkeeper missed a game, and McAllister. It it and it and Liverpool don't aren't really getting any credit, Beth, at the moment for getting through this period and still winning games. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you see obviously Graham Birch go off yesterday, yeah. I know Klopp yeah. said yeah. after the game that he's hoping it's not too serious, but. You think actually now? I think Liverpool are one or two injuries away from a full-blown not crisis, but not you know, a mini crisis maybe. Mm. Um, and I think again that comes back to to January. Do you do you take a risk and 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 bring your targets forward from the summer, like Gorsty said? And I, I just think it is a huge opportunity. You know, regardless of, of what Ian Doyle says about Liverpool not being title contenders this season, um, I, I I think they they absolutely are, and I I sort of. I'm in, play off the top of the yeah, I'm, in, I'm in two minds about City because it, history dictates that they will come back stronger, but they just don't look... I think Gundogan is a huge miss yeah. for them. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I think De Bruyne, obviously, we don't know what sort of form he's going to come back in. He's had a couple of injuries, hasn't he, the last couple of years. He's, he's yeah. getting a little don't bit you, older. Yeah. You don't know if he's going to um, stay back in the that, way, way... Exactly, and yeah, I just yeah. think the, the players they've signed, Mateus Nunes, um, yeah. Kovacic, I just don't think that that the midfield, which has so often been City's greatest strength, is anywhere near what it used to be. I think the, and there's no, no players out there at the minute that I really think, apart from Pakatar at, at West mm. Ham, he's the only one I'd be worried about them getting. I think if, if they don't get in, I just sort of think Tom could be right. I just don't quite see it to the, the, the same level. They'll go on a run. They will go on a run. And from a City perspective, they're probably looking at now and thinking, right, we've been terrible by our own standards the last five, six games and we're only five points off the top of the table. But, but they don't play enough after Christmas as well, so yeah. you know, by the time yeah. they come back, you know, it could be what? Eight, eight or nine points? Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do think that, you know, that it's a, I think it's a huge chance for Liverpool, but we shouldn't forget City have often found themselves five, six, yeah. seven points back and they just make, they just eat up that gap. And, you know, Arsenal, for example, they've got to go, they beat them at, at the Emerson, they, but they've got to go to the Etihad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I can't see them eating into that gap. Tom, mm-hmm. Darwin Nunes has been 10 games without a goal. Um, I think one in eight for Luis Diaz. Salah isn't exactly setting the world alight at the moment. It's, it's, a, it's a big issue for Liverpool at the moment, isn't it, really? It, mm-hmm. it, you know, usually we'd be looking at that forward line saying, there's our goals. We'll be okay, but but it's flipped on its head, and and they're not really they're not really doing it. Are, are you worried? Yeah, I mean the Palace game we saw it a little bit, like the mm. the forwards weren't quite at it, and Sheffield United game as well. But I think yesterday was the first time I was like, oh, this is a problem mm, yeah. <laughs> because it just looked so off the whole game. I mean, Diaz was I thought the only one that was kind of having a bit of a go, yeah. trying to make things happen when he cuts in on his right foot. But apart from that, I mean, Salah didn't. He had a couple of shots, but they were both straight at Anana. Didn't quite have that, you know, that moment where he, you know, might go on like a bit of a run or sort of twisting in the box, that kind of thing. We didn't really see that from him. I think it was the perfect game to do that as well, running at the back um, United's back line because it was deeper that way. I think it they were, would have been yeah. tough to sort of him some run but and take anyone on. I just think they should have tried to be a bit more in the box, United's yeah. box. You, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they'd given away a penalty. But I think all yeah. of it was just taking place just yeah, outside yeah. on the edge. Lots of lumped in crosses, yeah. wasn't there? And, and then, yeah, Nunez is just... He's offside every game yeah, for like three or four times. Famous. And it happened again yesterday. And I think he's the one at the minute that's the most worrying because mm. I know Liverpool fans, and I, and, and I have in the past sort of defended, saying, you know, he needs time and... Um, to adapt but it's now 
midway through the second season, so you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. Um, this was supposed to be the season where he came good and scoring sort of 20, 25 goals, but it doesn't really look like that's going to happen this season unless he goes on a, a mad run. I, d I don't know, he just doesn't quite... For example, that chance we had where... He's, he had the ball passed him and he's got all the time then just sort of slowed it down completely yeah. and the chance just goes. Yeah, yeah. He's just not yeah. on the same wavelength. When you had Mane, Salah, Firmino, they were all sort of in yeah. sync, all kind of know each other's next move. He he just kind of looks like he's holding everything up and isn't quite in, in sync with his teammates. And I don't really know what Klopp does with it because you can't really, you know, they're not going to, I wouldn't be really surprised if they sold him, but he doesn't quite fit in at the minute so I think Gakpo really needs to have a run on the team I think they're really but, missing but Gakpo to be fair hasn't really no. been enough has he you know I, I think that he missed a big chance last night and it got kind of overlooked at the end yeah, the end of the header and, and I, I think that the, the trouble for Liverpool is that Gakpo's not really knocking at the door Jota's been injured need Jota back you know, and even yeah. Doak really you know, I know he's had his injuries but at the start of the season I remember thinking oh Doak might knock on the door a little bit this season but, but he hasn't so I, I mean I, I think obviously Darwin Nunes is a I, you know, I talked earlier this season when he's played quite well and I, I flagged a couple of concerns about some of the, the chances he's missed and someone sent me a, a fairly upset tweet but, but, I, but I do think he's an issue because it's chaos kind of when it's when it's good it, it's, it's this sort of momentum where he's making things happen but when it's bad I mean I, I don't necessarily think he could have scored but that moment yesterday when he, he appeals for a penalty yeah. Yeah. just carry on what is going through his head it's just like really that was not playing to the whistle mm -hmm. like he might have managed to have caught that and just stuck a leg at it and see where it, where it ended up. Even if he doesn't mm. score, he might get it back yeah. in and someone else might. Yeah, he's, he, has, he has become a worry for me as well. To be fair, 10 games without a goal, I didn't realise it was that until, until I seen it after the game, but it was ball, wasn't it, in the mm. Cubs last time he scored. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just... You can tell the fans are just so desperate for him to, to start to fulfil his potential that... He gets his name song for things that other players would probably get criticised for. You know, mm -hmm. Bard sends a Johnny Evans yeah. yesterday, he gets a yellow card, boots the ball towards the cop, and everyone starts singing his name. And to be like, come on, he needs, he needs to know yeah. that's not good enough. You can't be doing this in, in such a massive game. Especially with the type of player you are, then you're on the edge, then on a the yellow for the rest of the game. I, I think the Bard, by the way, the man, the, 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 the silliness afterwards yeah. is just like. And then he, he wins a throw in, and the fans are singing his name, and it's like. Sing his name when he sticks in the back yeah. of the net and then win one nil or whatever. It's just, just not happening for him at the moment. Um, he's someone who looks really threatening when Liverpool are kind of in transition and, and the counter attacking, and that's where Liverpool generally look when they're at their best. But more often than not, now teams are sitting behind the ball, and yeah. and um, when that happens, the spaces close up for him and it doesn't really suit him. Um, but he's not the only one. Diaz, I think, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Diaz as well, yeah. to be honest. It's two years since he signed next month and he's still waiting for that prolonged, sustained spell of form other than, you know, when he joined and, and he was almost a bit of a, a nice little additional bonus, wasn't he? Even Liverpool yeah. still had the front three and we're going for, for every trophy that was available. Um, obviously, he had the injuries last season and, and he had that harrow and kidnapping of his father early in the season. So, there are mitigating circumstances, but you're just waiting to see that real consistent run of form for him as well. And Joss has been a massive miss, um, and you can't really criticise Mo Salah because of what he's done. You know, he can cut him all the slack in the world, can't yeah. you? So 
Yeah, Nunes and Diaz in particular, I'm just starting to become a little bit worried about. Um, and we'll see against Arsenal, it might make me, me words, but um, yeah, it's become a little bit of an issue that concerned. But... Yeah, I, I am. I, I think I was saying, you know, to you guys earlier, after he, he booted the ball toward the cop and he was he was mouthing off, wasn't he, after we got mm-hmm. that yellow card and Klopp was shushing him, actually, um, which I, I thought was sort of interesting and perhaps indica- in, indicative of the fact that Klopp's maybe getting a little bit, you know, frustrated mm-hmm. with him and, and his antics. And yeah, I don't know. I, I do still like him. I do still think there's a player there. Um, but it's just... If you want to be winning titles, you can't have a player who is good every every few weeks and then and doesn't do much else. And I think sort of earlier in the season, even when he was missing chances, you felt he was still influencing the game in a positive way. You know, he'd, he'd seemed to have built up a good relationship with with Mo Salah, and you know, his link up play, his overall game seemed to be much more sort of well-rounded and I, th- I just think you know the last few games he's not contributed an awful lot has he really and I think he's not quite looked on the same wavelength as as Mo and, and Diaz as well and um, I think the thing with Nunez I do think to be fair he's an easy scapegoat because he is sort of this cult hero that, mm. that gets sort of yeah it's like Gus said before you compare him to Hoyland at United yeah. because he's not Hoyland isn't anywhere near as I don't know colourful yeah, he doesn't. I mean, it's quite. Look at the difference between the two. Yes, they Nunes does a lot. Hoyland does hardly anything. All right, he missed a, a big chance, but yeah. uh, well, that's the thing. I think Hoyland had the biggest chance of the game, and, mm. and most of the, the the dialogue after the game has been about Nunes rather mm. than the fact that Hoyland actually missed quite mm. a big chance. So, you know, I, I, it's not fair to, to lay the the blame for yesterday squarely on his shoulders at all, but. You know, he's, he's not like a young kid. I think sometimes the fan base treats him a little bit like he's this young kid who's, yeah. who's come in. And, and actually, I think he's, what, he's 23? He's 24. 24. Yeah. Came in for, for a big fee, yeah. and he's now got to start showing why, why yeah. Liverpool signed him. Yeah, I think I think Klopp... Um, I think he's, he's Klopp's player, rather than a recommendation from the, the analysis and the scouting, more than anything. Um, and I think... Klopp maybe feels like it's you know he's bet the house on Nunes and at some point he has to start being repaid because mm. um, it's not a, it's not a terrible record by any stretch is it but you know for the money Liverpool paid for him he should be you know carrying a similar level of threat to Mo Salah and, yeah. and at the yeah. moment. He's not. I think with, with Nunes as well, it almost feels a little bit cyclical. Like I, I think you can imagine now you might get dropped and then Liverpool yeah. struggling to really click up front yeah. and then you think, oh, this game's crying out for a bit of Nunes chaos and he comes off the bench and scores yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he gets in the team and then it's it's back to square one. Yeah. So it's just that consistency he needs to find. Yeah, final word on the game. Of course, I just, just want to come back to you. Um, I was obviously in the office working from here yesterday. Um, Neville talked a lot about the Anfield atmosphere. Seemed to be quite critical yeah. of it. And was, you know, doing that whole, like, I usually praise Liverpool, but that was bad. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, but 7,000 extra fans, what was it What was it like from your point of view? So it started off like a, like a house on fire and you could really tell the difference that they were making. And it, it was United and it was Sunday afternoon and it was blood and thunder and it was great. And it was what... Everyone expected it to be, but there's a bit of a chicken in the egg thing now with Anfield. It's do the fans get the players up for it, or does a moment of brilliance get the fans up for it? And it's it's that kind of where you stand on it. Yeah. That, you know, people who go to the game will tell you that the players have got to do a bit before the fans can get up for it. 
and it's easy for, for people who, who aren't at the game to say, oh, well, this atmosphere is not great. It needs to be turned up a little bit. Um, it's uh, I think it's becoming a bit of a problem, to be honest, yeah. the outfield atmosphere. Yeah, uh, Certainly yesterday, maybe towards the kind of last 15, 20 minutes of the first half, it, it died off. Mm. Um, and a little bit in, in the second half as well. But I've no doubt that the, the fans will be on fire again on, on Saturday against Arsenal, but it's... The Fulham game was was the biggest one for me. It was kind of like everyone showed up in a bit of a sleepy, freezing cold Sunday afternoon and, and expected the win, and mm-hmm. suddenly the pulled and broiled in a, in a hell of a fight to to win the game. And um, yeah, it's difficult, but it doesn't help the players yeah. that much. It is is true wherever you stand on on the debate. Um, so um, yeah, this may be something that. Can be improved, should be improved, but how you go about that is is you know something to be debated whether it's the players or the, or the fans. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to talk about, isn't it? Because sometimes I feel like you don't want an artificial, you know, Arsenal fans. Beth had a, had a they're the proper thing, didn't they? The Emirates yeah. to try and improve the atmosphere, and I, I don't necessarily think the most supporters will want to have to do the same. Mm. But I don't think it hurts. I think it massively helped Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then saying that, I think. If Liverpool score early yesterday, you've got the makings of a great atmosphere. You think about some of the best atmospheres ever, Chelsea, Barcelona, they, they come, obviously... Well, that's the because, because of that. They score early, don't yeah. they? Just the 7-0 yeah. was because yeah. of the atmosphere. Yeah. It's just kind yeah. of... So it, it, can be, it can be a difficult one. I was, um, I was surprised how much was made of, of the atmosphere. Like it, it, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like Gary Neville has sort of insinuated it's the worst thing he's ever heard. That, like I think, like Gorsty said, the fit... You'll never walk alone. Obviously, it was the biggest crowd there for what, 50, mm, 50 years. years yeah. um, and you could tell, I thought that's the loudest I've heard, heard the ground that first five minutes for, for quite a long time. And you did really feel like you were just, you know, waiting for something to happen. And I think, I think yesterday, I think there wasn't even one big chance really to get the crowd up for it. it was toward the end of the game. I think, you know, if someone had really sort of, I don't know, made. And I want to make a great save or something like mm. that. I think the crowd would have yeah, then really yeah. got up, but there just wasn't anything really. And I, so I think it was sort of it is a two way street. Um, I think on its day, Anfield still it can be the you know the best atmosphere yeah. in the world, but those games sort of feel few and far between now. And also, sorry, just just to make a quick point, that that reflects badly on United. Gary Neville making all this stuff about the atmosphere because mm. they they showed up with you know. Maybe not quite mid-table, but a team who've lost seven in the Premier League this season, no winner at the top, mm. putting them behind the ball and playing like they were mid-table at, at the best. Yeah. So, you know, that feeds into the atmosphere, the, the type of game that it is. So so that that should be reflecting negatively on the United as much as That's what I was, exactly what I was going to say. You know, the, the way it was, the slog, frustration sets in rather than celebration. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think sometimes... That, that, that impacts on the atmosphere. And I think as well, you know, you see these things after social media loves the whole, oh, I feel the atmosphere myth, you know. <laughs> it's not myth, is it? Because we've seen firsthand that how incredible the atmosphere can yeah. be and how well, it can drag the Where's the famous atmosphere? Yeah, but for all that, no team, no atmosphere is brilliant 100% of the time. No. I mean, I've been to Old Trafford several times and I don't, I don't think I've ever, I've ever been and been that impressed. That's a huge thing, mm-hmm. so... Um, got we're running out of time, Tom. We've got a couple of topics left to cover. Father Christmas is real. It's the world's greatest cup competition this month. <laughs> Quarterfinals, West Ham. The real, the real quiz. They cut on until January, Joe. Oh, never mind that dusty old thing. It is Wednesday night. The biggest game this week is West Ham United at home. 
in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, would you, you know, rest everyone for Arsenal and play the the first team for this and try and get through? Um, I mean, I'd mean, be interested to see what team he does put out. I think you've got to go pretty strong. Um, the problem is you don't have depth at the minute to be able to rotate too many players because of the injuries. Yeah. So I would imagine it would be a similar sort of team that we saw against United, really. Mm-hmm. You've got to go for it when you're in the quarterfinals. No point going out at this point yeah. <laughs> if you've got here. Yeah. I want them, I want them to be holding on to those three handles. That's back. it. That's it. <laughs> right, and we'll finish off. Um, Liverpool did beat Manchester United yesterday. They beat them 2-1 on their own patch. And... Um, Beth, you were very impressed with the job that Matt Beard has done. Um, tell us all about it. Yeah, it was uh, less than 12 months ago that, that Liverpool women went to Manchester United and got beat 6-0. And, you know, I remember that game back in January. It all felt quite bleak at that point in the sense you almost thought, how on earth are Liverpool going to manage to close the gap on on United and Chelsea and Arsenal? And this season, you know, I think Liverpool still a little way off sort of across a 22-game season challenging for a title or, or, or challenging for Europe but that being said you know they're, they're now level on points with, with Manchester United and they went there yesterday they went behind inside three minutes uh, and I did think oh, you know there could be another bit of a, a capitulation yeah. here the ghosts of last season coming back to haunt them and um, Liverpool responded really really well um, they, they levelled things up in the first half and then Taylor Hines the captain mm. went on and, and scored the winner for them and um, yeah a huge three points it Keeps them in fifth and, and as I say, level on points with United in fourth. Um, but I just thought it was it was really nice actually because I think the United game was the first game that they played in, in 2023 in, in the WSL. And so for the, the final game of the year to be against United yeah. and the result to be and the performance to be completely different, it was just some nice symmetry. And I think, you know, the club deserve credit. They've got a lot of criticism over the years for the way that they've treated the women's team and rightly so. They've, they've underinvested and, and sort of let them be, be relegated and... Um, you know they've, they've treated them very much like a, a second-class citizen. I think at, at times over the past few years, and, and they've realised, you know, the, the error that they've made, and they've atoned for that. They've, they've bought Melwood, they've invested, they've yeah. club record signing in, in the summer, and she's now really coming up for them. Sophie yeah. Roman Hogg scored four goals, two assists, I think, in the last five games. So, um, yeah, it's just really positive. I think about the, around the club at, at the moment, and I was down at Melwood the other week speaking to, to Gemma Bonner and. Yeah, the, all the players were in there having lunch and it just the whole atmosphere around the mm-hmm. club is, is just yeah. fantastic and, and really great to see so um yeah delighted with that with that win yesterday and yeah at least one Liverpool side managed to do over United yeah that's really good what, what do you think their ambitions can be going into 2024 I think I think in terms of this season I, I still think sort of like I say challenging for the title is still beyond them a little bit I think um they can definitely be, be putting pressure on on those teams above them in terms of getting a European place mm-hmm. in the women's game. It's only the top three sides that, that qualify for Europe, so it you know it is very difficult. Um, but I think you know if they if they bring another few bodies, I, I imagine it'll be quite a quiet January for them. But I think if they bring a few more bodies in in the summer, and I think the club's now in a position where they can they can go to some of the top players and say, this is what we're trying to achieve here, and mm-hmm. there is a, a project that that players might want to buy into. Um, so I think you know next season, I think they can definitely be pushing for Europe. Brilliant. Okay, thank you, Beth. Well, we'll be back on Friday to um, to look back at the world's greatest cup competition and hopefully a win and a step closer to the League Cup and also ahead to that Arsenal game. And um, to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. So we'll see you then. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 